There are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to an early retirement, and there's a lot of information out there that makes it overwhelming. So I'm going to break it down. In 15 minutes, you are going to know exactly what not to focus on because there's a lot of fluff out there, which can make it really confusing. Now, I also, this episode is half prompted by a client of mine who said, Ari, it's been helpful working with you, but what I really wish I knew is all of these tips when I was at age 40 so that I could have prepared myself even better. And so I'm giving all of you these tips so that even if you are not in your 40s or early 50s, you're going, hey, here are things I can start implementing before you retire early. Now, the majority of people that do reach out to me They're between 50 and 65, and they want to make sure they've done a really good job optimizing all of this and that they don't miss anything for the future. So just FYI on that, I am making all of this content and more on YouTube. And if you are looking for a specific customized strategy, of course, that is what I help people to do. I do not believe in vacuum planning or cookie cutter planning. And you might've heard of these terms before, but vacuum planning, the idea of making any recommendation in a vacuum. So for example, here's an investment recommendation or here's a tax recommendation or a state or no, I believe in holistic planning. And I tell people, and my, some of my clients still listen to this podcast, so apologies if you're hearing this again, but I don't believe in asking someone, how old are you and what's your risk tolerance and stopping there. To me, it just doesn't go deep enough. So here are the considerations I'm going to hop into right now when it comes to, okay, what should you absolutely not think about? And then what can you do to make sure you're doing the right things when it comes to an early retirement? So let's hop right into five common misconceptions with early retirement, which is number one you need to rely upon two incomes forever. Some people think that they need a pension or they need social security or they need the portfolio and maybe they saw an article online and that article says, you know what, you need a million dollars to retire or you need two million or 10 million and they're all wrong. And I've talked about this in previous episodes, but the reason they're wrong is that it's not about a number at all. I have some clients with a really healthy portfolio, two, three, four, five million dollars. They don't have any other income source. Now, most people have one income source and then another income source begins like social security or inheritance or rental income or something like that. So most people have a staggering income source that occurs throughout retirement and that allows for what's called a tax planning window. So another misconception is that tax planning is something you cannot do unless you have a very, very complicated tax situation. And that's just not the case. Most people that reach out, they have an IRA or a 401k or some pre-tax account. And if they don't do anything and they keep investing really well, you're going to have significant RMDs, which are required minimum distributions. And what that means is if you don't do any of this planning and you invest really, really well and you don't implement some of these strategies I've talked about in previous episodes, like asset location before or just some of these other things, you're going to be projected to have to take out more than you even want to. Now, that could be at 30%, 35%, 40%. And the last thing I want is for everything you've worked so hard for, maybe not everything, but a large majority of your retirement accounts, I don't want you taxed at a very high rate on that. So going back to this number one misconception, which is you need two incomes forever. No, the reality is you need to meet your income needs. I have some clients who don't have a dollar in their investment portfolio, but they have a really healthy pension and they have inheritance and that's what allowing them to retire well. So this cookie cutter, you know, do you need a million dollars or five or 10? No, I have clients with 500,000 and healthy pensions. I have clients with three, $4 million and to them, that's not enough because of what they want to spend. So there's no right or wrong. It's just, it's not cookie cutter, but it's not as if you need one income source or two income sources. 
It just depends. Now, let's assume one of you passes away, meaning let's assume you're a couple, one of you passes away. Well, now how on earth are we going to create that income? Well, now we need to talk about Social Security, a portfolio. Can we make up the difference? Because maybe Social Security is cut in half. What's that survivor benefit look like? Tax brackets are going to change. So you need a plan for it. But the reality is it's not this kind of cookie cutter. You need multiple sources of income. No, what you need is to replace your income. That's number one. Number two, and I promise I'll I'll get a little more condensed here because I know I'm already about a few minutes in and that's just misconception one, but this stuff gets me hyped up if you guys can't tell. So number two is that the stock market is your biggest risk in retirement. And here's why that's not true. I'm going to give you an example, which is let's look at the worst case scenario in the past 80 years. Okay. Worst case scenario past 80 years, the S&P 500 had one year where it went down 43% in March of 2008. A lot of you will remember that and go, Ari, it's not a fun time. Why are you making me think about that again? I promise there's a reason. So that's the worst one year in the last 80 years. Now, let's look at any 20-year time periods. Not one year, but 20-year. Well, the worst 20-year time period was actually the S&P 500, and it got 4.8% from April 2000 to 2020. So a 20-year time period. Now, the worst, you know, one year of a T-month T-bill was 0.01%. So not the S&P 500, but just a T-bill, which is a treasury bill. So for example, if in 2008, you said, Ari, I want to make sure I did as good as I possibly can. and I don't want to invest in the stock market. You would have avoided going down 43% and you would have made 0.01%. Now there's inflation, but basic example there. Now let's go to that 20 year time horizon that I just talked about. And instead, you know, you do invest in the S&P 500. You would have gotten a 4.8% return as opposed to in a T-bill, which it's best, you know, 20 year was a 1.14%. So you're going, okay, Ari, makes sense so far, but there's a lot of numbers. I need you to break it down. So so this sounds like English and really harps home on the point here. And I'm going to do that for you right now. Let's put $100,000 into each of these for 20 years. Well, if you put $100,000 into the S&P 500, you would now have $255,000. If you had put $100,000 into the one-month T-bill, you'd have $125,000. So why do I even bring up this example? There are going to be times if you retire early, and I do say there are going to be because it's not an if, but there's a when, when the market will go down and it will go down significantly. But my, my guess and my hope is that if you're retiring early, let's call it age 60, and you're going to live for 30 plus years, hopefully longer, well, the worst 20-year time horizon I just gave you an example for was a positive 4.8%. Does that mean that's going to happen going forward? Absolutely not. I have no idea, and anyone who tells you they do, I'm skeptical of. But what I always want to break down is, okay, what's history tell us? Does that mean we have to align our you know, our portfolio like that? No, of course not. But it's helpful to know, you know, for people who are struggling with the idea of the stock market, you know, is that what I'm really relying on for the next 20, 30 years? Well, if you're investing really well, It's not saying, okay, that's everything that should give you confidence, but if you are set up well and you have a diverse strategy and it's in all these different asset classes and you're doing the right things on the tax piece and you're being, you know, intelligent with your social security decisions, or if you don't even want to rely on social security, you're saying, Hey, I've saved and invested well to the point that my plan shows I don't have to worry about when the market goes down because I have enough income on the side, whether it be through fixed income or just cash or CDs or whatever it is, which I call a war chest 
trust that no matter what happens, the market's doing what it's doing. You don't have to worry about how you'll create your income. So number two, that misconception is that the stock market is your biggest risk. To me, the biggest risk is that you don't work with it well. Uh, Number three here is ignoring inflation. Now, most people do not ignore inflation, but it is safe to say that if you were to have $100,000 today, it's not going to go as far as $100,000 in 20 years. And let me give you that exact example. Let's assume that inflation was, you know, 3%. Now, I know it's been a lot higher in recent times. It's higher right now. It's come down a little bit, but just let's use this as an average inflation. Well, over a 30-year retirement, inflation will make the cost of everything increased by almost 2.5x. So $100,000 would turn to 243000 So the real risk is that we don't keep up with inflation. And how do we keep up with inflation? Well, equities have been proven to be the best source of outpacing inflation. And I like to give clients basic examples. For example, you know, I'm recording this on an Apple computer. And right now, when Apple's price goes up, if I own that stock, here I am going, hey, anytime someone else buys a MacBook, you know what? I like that because what's happening is I'm participating as an equity shareholder in those profits. Now, Sometimes that's a dividend. Sometimes that's total return, meaning, you know, you'll hear a lot of people say, Ari, how do I create the most dividend income possible? Well, so you could buy all these dividend paying stocks and I have a whole YouTube video on it, but the gist of it is sometimes you don't want them to pay a dividend. And the reason for that is you're telling Apple, yes, I could take a little bit of short-term income today through a dividend, but you know what, Apple? looks like you're doing a lot of wonderful things. How about you invest that back into the business so that my total return is even higher? So although dividends are important, I want you to think about total return as well, which comes back to inflation. Now, some of you, I can already hear you um, because I know all of you pretty well by now through messages or ebook downloads and comments that you've made. So thank you. Please continue to do those. It's very fun for me to see. But okay, what if it's not 3%? So I talked about inflation, you know, $100,000 turns to 243000 What if it's 4%? Well, 100000 would then turn to 325000 So you need to make sure your portfolio can you know provide $325,000 worth of income so you can live the same standard of life that you're living today. And maybe when you retire, you might want to spend more. Guess what most people do in the earlier years? And I want to encourage that. To me, a really ineffective financial plan is you retiring early and going, all right, I did it, but now I'm not spending everything I wanted to do, or I'm second guessing going out to eat, or I don't know you know, if I want to fund my children's wedding, what that's going to do to my retirement, or all these different things. That's ineffective planning. So let's just be smart with those things. Number four here is that your home is an amazing retirement asset. Now, this is not a conversation that we're having right now about is real estate good or bad. I have other episodes on that, and I don't believe it is, you know, bad. I I believe it all plays a role. It's just what experience are you looking for? But this is all about whether it's a great retirement asset. Now, if you have a rental property, it could be, but the home that you live in is not. Please hear that once again. The retirement home that you live in, if that is indeed your retirement home, it is not. And I don't care if your home is worth $10 million because if you never plan to sell it or somehow extract equity from it to live on, it's not a retirement asset in the traditional sense. Once again, how do you win in retirement? Retirement is all about cash flow. And an early retirement is making sure you never run out of money. So how do we make sure you can generate sufficient income to meet all of your expenses? That's what I care about for you. Your home generates $0 of income. It contributes to your expenses because there's property taxes. Now, maybe it's appreciating very fast and it's done an amazing job for you and you can't quantify the experiences you've had. Well, 
what I don't want to have happen is that you go, all right, this is part of my retirement plan. And, you know, I might sell one day, but I'm not totally sure, but this is still a retirement asset. And if you're not going into it with the idea of, hey, I am selling this because I am going to downsize in the future. And yes, that is my plan. Um, well, then we need to have a conversation because some people will say, yes, this is part of the plan um, and I absolutely am going to sell this. And when I downsize, it's going to play this role and here's potential equity I walk away with. Well, then it is a retirement asset. But for a lot of people, they don't view it that way. In fact, they say, Ari, you know, it, it is a retirement asset, but I never plan on selling and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But, you know, it adds to the balance sheet and maybe it can, you know, be a retirement source for me. And the risk and why I get so passionate about this and I've seen it happen is the risk is that you you go into it with that mindset and uh, you know unless you're doing a reverse mortgage or taking equity of some sort what's happening is you're kind of lying to yourself and you're saying hey maybe I'm going to use this but you never do move and now all of a sudden you go already you know I don't want to move I, I just have no intention of doing that whether it be families close by or for whatever reason that you don't have to explain to me you want to stay in the home and you had initially had this included as part of your retirement portfolio, but it's not actually helping on the income front. So uh, maybe a little tough love for you there for any of you that are, hey, I absolutely you know, am planning on having this as my retirement asset. Just think about it this way. It's all I'm asking you to do. Just invite to think about it a little differently. And I tell my my, you know, people who reach out, I say, my job is to ask you these tough questions to make you think about these things. And some of you are going, Ari, I know that's not a tough question, but I really want you to think differently about planning so that you never have to second guess. What if I had done X or Y or Z? You know, I have total confidence. So that is my goal. And once again, uh, the reason I love doing it, it's really not about the early retirement. It's saying, hey, you've worked hard, you've saved and invested well. How do you maximize the enjoyment of this? So that's what it's all about. Now, the last one here, misconception about an early retirement. This is the biggest one that people come to me with, which is you are going to absolutely love not having a job. And a lot of people go, Ari, I have worked really hard for a lot of years, saved really well, and now I want to enjoy the fruits of my labor. And I say, wonderful. I want you to as well. You're going to have all of these freedoms and you're going to have different types of freedoms. You are going to have freedom from, which is the freedom from a bad boss or freedom from having to do something you don't want to do or freedom from that could be as you know simple as waking up early freedom from having to worry about xyz that's one freedom there's a second freedom which is the freedom to and this is the hardest part this is the freedom to pursue whatever you want and design life on your own terms now it sounds amazing but it's also difficult and if you don't have a plan for that you can sometimes feel lost or aimless and so we actually just here at root brought on a retirement life coach that specializes with this specifically. So she's now on staff with us for clients that are going, Ari, I, I do want to think through this with a professional. So if that's something you're looking for, um, not the main reason or sole reason to hire us, and, and she does work independently as well, but it's another thing we are telling our clients that when we say we do holistic planning, we mean it, meaning it's, yes, investments and taxes and estate, but also what on earth are you going to be doing? If you want to retire early, a lot of people go, Ari, I can't wait to golf and spend time working out and, and with family, and they have no concerns at all on how on earth they're going to spend their time. But here's what I saw happen is I saw someone who loved golf, pretty much put their whole life into golf, which was very cool. And they were very good. Um, but that's besides the point. Here's what happened. They got a back injury. And so once that injury got really bad, after about maybe it was two months. So I'm trying to think back, maybe two and a half months, they were going, Ari, 
I had kind of put all my eggs in one basket and I was planning on golfing every day and spending a little time here and there, but I'm not only bored, but I can't really move because my back hurts and I'm, I'm struggling from a volunteer perspective. And, you know, I'm just struggling with that freedom too that you talked about that kind of, there's the freedom from, and there's the freedom too. And so these are both things that you have to think about when it comes to an early retirement, because you're going to have a lot of time, which is wonderful. And I want you to feel fulfilled with this time. And so a common misconception is that you're going to love not having a job. You might love it. In fact, you are going to probably love it, but you're going to love parts of it. And parts of it, you might miss the coworker interaction. Maybe you go, Ari, I'm not going to miss that at all. But the point of thinking through this is how can you make sure that you're going, Ari, I want to make sure I am doing everything possible to make sure I don't look back and go, I wish I had thought through this or just planned this differently. And I tell people, if it's possible, can you practice retirement? Can you scale back your work to start doing gardening or to start going on hikes or just do things to go, hey, is this something I want to do day to day? Because it can be fun to think about. And I have one other quick fun story for you. Hopefully not keeping you guys too long if you're going on a run or if you're driving or wherever you are. But I just want to share this last story, which is, I've shared it before, but I have clients who are like, all right, we love Hawaii and they lived in the Midwest and they're just about the nicest people ever. And they might be listening to this right now. So you know who you are, but they were just the nicest people ever. And they had saved and invested really well. And they didn't come from a financial background and they had read a Dave Ramsey book early on and it helped shape the way that they you know, view money. Now they don't love Dave Ramsey anymore so much and they know that. But regardless, here's the point to this. The point is that they had moved to Hawaii and they were just absolutely loving life. And then six weeks later, it was, hey, Ari, this was awesome, but you know, maybe for a vacation. And we didn't really do a trial run of this Hawaii thing. And so they ended up you know, taking a financial loss on the entire move. And that was a good learning process for them. And it, they turned out to be more than fine. But the reality is they said that they wish they had practiced. So the idea is, can you practice retirement, even if it feels silly, but you know, really think through your day-to-day and write it out. And if you want to speak with our life coach here, once again, my experience, I'm not a specialist as a retirement life coach. My specialty is the financial planning aspects, but I also want to make sure that we're addressing the, okay, what on earth are you going to do for fulfillment? Because even if we get all of the finances in, in order correctly, but we don't have this other piece dialed in, well, it's just not an effective financial plan. So I want you to feel really confident. So that is it for today's episode. Just five misconceptions people have about an early retirement. Hope this was helpful. Once again, if you're looking for a customized strategy, you can reach out to me. You can apply at the link in the description. And I look forward to hearing all of your thoughts. Um, Always shoot me messages. Love your listener questions. Keep them coming. And I will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Early Retirement Show. If you have a question that you want answered in a future episode, you can always go to my website, earlyretirementpodcast.com. That's earlyretirementpodcast.com. And you can go ahead and submit a question that I'll look to answer in a future episode. Thank you all for listening. Please do rate it, review it, and share it with someone who you think would benefit from this information if there's anyone out there that you know. I certainly appreciate it, and I will see you all each week. Hey, guys, it's me again. Please be smart about this. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as financial tax, or legal advice, consult with your tax preparer or financial advisor before taking any action. This podcast is for informational purposes only.